Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to No Lesson Plan, another episode. Today with us, we have my dear friend, Alex Gutierrez. Today, we're going to talk about teachers. Why are we talking about teachers today? Because I know that you're a program coordinator uh, in, you know, in other countries, they call, you know, you're, you're the one responsible for the language program at a very, very big program, which is Prolex in, at the University of Guadalajara, correct? That's correct. But I'm, I'm in charge of one side only. Okay. We, we also um, have a, an academic secretary and an academic director. They are, they are in charge of the entire program. In my case, just one side. Okay. Okay. Let's go back a little bit and then we'll uh, center on that. Uh, how long have you been teaching, Alex? Whew. It's been 18 years of Prolex plus four or five more teaching the open system high school we have here in Mexico. You know, you don't have to teach pronunciation. You don't have to make your students produce in English. Uh, you just fit them with lots of information and then they, they um, book their exams with SEP personnel. Secretary of Educación Pública, so you don't even evaluate them. They, they book their exams and then they get their grades. They don't even get to see their, their mistakes. Okay. And so you're just there to, to give them all they need to take those okay. exams. So okay. around 20, 22, 23 years teaching. Okay, so you, you got quite, quite a lot of experience under your belt. Um, let me ask you, how did you get involved in ELT? How did you, how did you become an English teacher? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> the truth is that my dad is an engineer. I have an uncle who is an engineer. I'm a technician in electronics. I'm a technician in uh, fixing air conditioning and refrigerators. I'm a technician... Uh, let me say if I can. Let me see if I can say this in English. Fixing electric transformers, motors, and transformers. Oh, so wow. I didn't. I study did not know this about you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I didn't study. I didn't study my BA when it was my my time. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I I realized I, I was better at school when I was already married and with with my family, my children. So I thought I was going to be a, an engineer, to tell you the truth. Okay. Okay. And I, I consider myself good at it. I continue uh, being handy. But someday somebody offered me my first uh, English classes and everything changed, bro. And here I am with, with my BA and, and my MA in teaching English. So forget about engineering days. Okay. Um, very interesting. Quite a change. And um, what happened when you were offered this class? You fell in love? What What happened? It was a couple of locks from, from our workshop. So I used to get to the workshop, park my car there, teach from 7 to 9.30, my first class, then go back to, to my workshop to fix machines and deal with clients, and then teach my second class from 7 30 to 9 p.m go back to the workshop get my car and go home so little by little uh, my my 
rapport with students, my serving others, because I, I truly believe when you become a teacher, you, you're there to, to serve, right? Okay. Far from that image all teachers used to have, right? Whatever I say is the truth, the Bible, the Constitution, and I'm not asking for your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> not my style. Not my style, okay. bro. So students were always asking for, for me. They wanted me to be their teacher. So they used to visit the principal and say, we want Alex Gutierrez. Maybe my informal style, I used to call it my Mamila style, right? So they could get <laughs> an idea, right? <laughs> but ever since I started reading and I, 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 I started getting involved more into, into teaching or what, trying to find what my, my, my style was, the theory behind the practice. And then I, I, I got this affective filter. Remember that? The affective yeah, yeah, filter. Yeah. So the more stress, the less you learn. And then I, oh, maybe yeah. that's why students say that I'm good. So they, I imagine they don't feel like they're taking class, but maybe they're okay. just having a conversation. Right? So I think that's why I, I, I fell in love with teaching and not okay. only with teaching, but, but with the language itself. Okay. Now let's move on a little bit and I'd like to know how you transferred from teaching into being the person responsible for the program, for a program, I should say. Well, after teaching four or five years, this open high school system um, and having some good results and helping people, receiving presents and, and good comments, then I said, well, it is time to give the next step. So I decided to, to look for a better job and start teaching 100% English. Okay. And then they gave me an opportunity, I passed the different exams and interview. I didn't know, but there was this large square table with all coordinators in those days. Asking you this questions. is at Prolix now, correct? At, at Prolix now, yeah. Okay. So I, I got this opportunity, and then after eight years of teaching, I was offered this position. First, I spent a year being an assistant coordinator, and then I was given full responsibility. The largest uh, site in the institution, I got as many as 35 teachers. And... Uh, between intensive and Saturday courses, more than 1,200 students. Wow. Okay. And, and, um, and I fell in love man. with That's that tough. too. That's so <laughs> tough though. That is so tough. How, uh, you know, how could you like, you know, dealing with teachers now, student, if any students listen to this, I mean, this is, this is what teachers keep to themselves. Okay. You'll never find out what I mean. Um, things can get out of hand, you know, obviously there are many life situations. Some teachers are sometimes absent because they're sick or for uh, any number of reasons. I mean, uh, just, just as in any workplace, you know, there are some teachers who are easy to get along with, who, who just, you know, um, follow the program. They take care of business. They, they do what they're supposed to, but there are others who are just, 
they can be quite a handful, man. And dealing with so many teachers, um, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. I mean, you've been doing it for so long, Alex, that I feel like you have a lot of things to share to, to whomever may be aspiring to be a coordinator or the one responsible for a language program. Um, I want to talk to you first, first, first about your initial challenges taking over the full responsibility of this really big program. What were some of the initial challenges that you faced? Somehow I had some lack of, lack of confidence in myself. I should say I found teachers with way better language proficiency that I consider I had in those days. So first, first giving workshops and training and being in charge of a team, people you know, they know. That would be the first challenge. Okay, you, you have to put yourself together and, and plan, really plan what you're going to do so things work well. And then I realized that, yeah, maybe some of them had way more uh, English skills <laughs> than me, but I had something different. I had something that was there to contribute to whatever they needed and serving open doors, bro. Of course, there were, there were more challenges, not only facing 35 teachers in a room and trying to tell them this is the way we should do things, uh, but you, you have to demonstrate that. So it's not just preaching. You have to demonstrate that. You have to be disciplined. You have to be on time, always on time. You, you're the first person to, to get there and the last person to leave, wear your uniform, because in, in this institution we wear uniforms. Uh, you, you have to look well-groomed and uh, serve all the time. So you have a teacher with a, with a stomachache, this teacher is feeling bad. There is no problem at all if you prepare some tea and take it to, to his or her room. Okay. Uh, but they can't leave. I've, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean... Uh, so sometimes you have to send them back home or to the doctor because sometimes they, they would come to work and with high fever. And yeah. then you were there as an emergency teacher to, to sob and to take over. So little by little, they see, well, this guy is, is, is not here to be the boss, but to help us. And at the same time, you pay attention to conversations here and there. I, I, I don't remember what the explanation for this topic is, or I don't know how, how to approach this type of group or this type of student, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. And then suddenly, oh, you know what? I know this. And you know what? This worked for Fulanita or for, for, for Sutanita. So serving here and there, uh, really finding yourself between bosses and teachers. So if you feel okay you're one of the bosses or you have some power, then you should not be a, an academic coordinator. You're there to serve, okay? And you, you sometimes feel that you don't fit. You're not a teacher anymore, but you're not a boss either. So you're just some kind of guide or referee who's there to help students and both students and, and teachers. Okay, that, that, that gives me an idea as to uh, how you work. You know, you're not that typical um boss who goes on power power trips and wants to dominate everybody and everybody needs to do what they what, what that one person says 
your style seems to be more relaxed, you know, and like you say, you're support to everybody. You're there to help and not to tell everybody what to do at all times. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. If you're okay. in charge of a team, you need to know their strengths and weaknesses. Then you help them improve and, and, and overcome those weaknesses, become better teachers. But I truly believe you need to help them become better people first. Okay. So by improving the person behind the teacher, you get a better teacher. And then they take care of your clients, students. So we, we need to take into consideration that we're working with people and people are organic creatures. They are always changing. And for, for example, the most professional person, the more responsible person, the nicest person in the team is also going through a cycle. And later that person is going to be in trouble, whether personal uh, uh, problems or, or family problems, something is, is going on. And then you see that person going down for, okay. for a couple of weeks or for a couple of months. And then you got to understand we have that right of making mistakes or, or life is not perfect, right? So when you understand that and you're not there to judge, then right, they, they right, trust right. you and, 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 and they respond when you really need them. Yeah. You don't get now, to be the, the boss. No, 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 not at all. It, it, it's not about that. And uh, this is a, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you particularly, because I know you. I know that you're very laid back and that, you know, uh, you you rejoice in the triumphs of others, man. That's what I, that's how I know you. You know, you, you, you're really happy when you see people around you doing really well and stuff. So I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, um, I don't want to uh, stereotype or generalize and say that all coordinators are the opposite, but I've met the other side of the coin and I've, I, I've seen other leadership styles. Now let me get back on track and ask you the following question, which is you, you mentioned, you, you, you continue to mention helping. Okay. Um, I want to know, how is it that you help your team develop? I think. Everything started by connecting who I was and, and, and what I believed with uh, something I read once. And it was in terms of positive psychology. So okay. what positive psychology recommends is, okay, traditional psychology had the chance, but they were reactive. They, they dedicated mostly to to give people pills right and okay. they they couldn't really find what the what the origin of the problem was and then positive psychology says why don't you stop paying attention to those weaknesses and and, and pay more attention to your strengths and stop suffering okay. you don't have to suffer right of course if you can improve those uh, weak areas okay that's good but if you take it as a healthy challenge, but you don't have to be there and focus all your attention and energy and time to improve yourself when you are not taking advantage of your strengths. Okay. Right? So define who you are, find your strength signature, they say, and then use those tools you have. Okay. Because in very few words, if you pay attention to your well-being, then you're paying attention to the tools you have to face challenges. And that's what I started doing that, that, that made that 
necessary click between who okay. I was and, and what I believed and what I needed to do to, to help my team. And not only teachers, but actually they asked me this question when, when we went through the process of being accepted or rejected to the masters. And, and the oh, question man, was, why you? What, why you? Why do you believe that, that you should study with us? Okay. And then I said, because I consider myself a good teacher and I, I help people and I have helped lots of people. But now if I help teachers, I'm going to reach to, to many more students, many more people, because okay. I'm going to help teachers and they are going to help more people. <sighs> so I guess that's the key in, in what I do. Okay, so stop worrying about who you are not and pay more attention okay. to who you are, your capabilities, and, and stop setting limits. Right? That's that's my motto, actually. <laughs> cool. That's really nice. That's beautiful. Count your blessings, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, focus on who you are. Exactly. Look, look at the good things that you do. Okay. Really yeah, cool, and actually, I, I've told teachers many, many times, I can help you with this, with that. I can give you tips. I can tell you what has worked for other people. But you know what? Nobody can do your things, your stuff better than you. Just find your way. For sure. Okay? Yeah. For sure, for sure. You, you encourage them to find themselves, like you say. Now, let me ask you, um, do you see yourself continuing to do this job, to be the coordinator in charge of 30-plus teachers? I like what I do. I still like it after 10 years, 11. But you know what? I find myself right at the same place uh, when I was asked this question at the beginning of the master's. And then I, I say to myself, if I become an academic director and I'm fully in charge of a program, then I might help more coordinators and those coordinators can help more teachers and those teachers can help more students. Oh, beautiful. And the people behind them, not, not only, we're not only academically speaking, but the people behind them. So I like to see my job as something more important, more relevant than just sharing content, right? And teaching English, but I still consider this as education, right? So maybe I'm just romantic, but I do believe so. <laughs> but it's it, it's part of it, and you know I'm being inspired by you right now. Yeah, I'm I'm totally being inspired, um, and listening to what you say of helping others help others. You know, it's like this chain reaction that you that that you start, and um, I think that's that's a very altruistic way to see. Uh, this hobby of ours, because I don't think this is a job to us, Alex. I think this is more like a hobby. And I keep, I, maybe I have mentioned it in another episode or, and I, I mention it all the time in my, in my classes. I say, Hey guys, this is not a job for me. This is my hobby. This is what I love doing. Huh? Just like you. And, um, I think there's just by sharing that, you know, it's, it's inspirational. You're like, you're reminded of why you start teaching or why you're in the position where you are. You know, when you say, you know, look at the positive things, look at who you really are and develop yourself. That's, that's meaningful and that's meaningful teaching, you know? Now, what would you say um, about institutional support? 
How does the institution help you do your job? Well, this is a sad story. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> when, when you're an academic coordinator, you have to try to find balance between the commercial side of teaching and teaching or the business and the quality, right? Of course, teaching is not everything because we need clients, okay? But you really need to find this balance. When you start paying more attention to, to business, then you want to find money. You want to make money now, right now, in this moment. And you stop seeing what the future business can be. And I truly believe quality teaching can ensure future generations of business. But sometimes the administrative side of the business has a different idea. And there's no communion and there's no agreement. And sometimes the academy ends up doing what the administration says. And I think it's not only in my institution. I think it is everywhere. And if we had more leaders with a more holistic approach to business, then they would be intelligent enough to see that having quality teaching is going to make the business profitable, right? Okay. And so support, support comes second. Business okay. goes first, right? Okay. But within all that, I'm sure you safeguard quality as much as you can. I mean, I'm sure you have a protocol uh, regarding what teachers should be doing in class. You have your program, the units that need to be covered in the book per semester, uh, things like that, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, first, uh, we have to make sure students get quality and then we, we need to make our clients feel there's no better place they can be than with us. So it is not only reminding them every beginning of a course, rules and regulations, but services, okay? They need to know what they can do or what the institution offers whenever they have an emergency, whether medical or, or, or work or school, uh, justifications, conversation club, tutorials. They need to know all those things. And we need to make sure they know those things, even when sometimes they don't come closer or they don't ask you questions, but you need to let them know they, they, so they can take advantage of the whole uh, pack of services we, we offer. Uh, international certifications and preparation for those certifications and the extra we offer because we, we don't have this uh, strict program. So we can always uh come out with our own ideas and experiences and 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 share informal vocabulary and we can even have uh the typical uh bad word class when they when they become advanced students and of course we don't encourage the use of of that language but we don't crucify people either so this is this Absolutely. is the language that's what it is okay how do you say this how do you say that okay let's move on nothing happens okay. and so they feel they don't have this bossy teachers. They don't have superheroes either. They have <laughs> teachers who struggle with life and, and, and who ha who are hesitant and and who who also feel right 
they have fears and, and, and pains, right? Like them. So that's what students really need. So we make sure they understand that we are not those teachers from the past, that we are new teachers, still authority in the classroom because there needs to be a, 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 an authority in the classroom, but that they can talk about whatever they want and they, okay. they can always contribute and make our class better. We, we say they give our class this shade of color uh, okay. necessary to make it excellent. It's not that we are offering excellent classes, but, but they help us make our classes excellent because they contribute and they, they are always uh, asked questions. There's always elicitation and it's this exchange of information because whatever they, they have with them, their background, their luggage with experiences, feelings, thoughts can be expressed, fully expressed in class. Right? Very, very may interesting. Maybe that's not happening at other sites, even in the same institution. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, I would think that every campus or site, um, their coordinator thinks in a certain way and implements, uh, you know, his or her thoughts, ideologies, or whatnot, right? Exactly. They, had a, they, they have a certain level of autonomy. Now, I want to talk to you now about hiring teachers, the hiring process. Um. What do you look for when you see all those CVs? You know, I'm pretty sure, I mean, Prolix is a huge, huge enterprise. I mean, it's, it's like you say, and you're just in your campus, you have 1200 students. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty, that's like a whole university. Uh, and that, that's like a small university itself. Uh, but in your case, your language center has 1200 students. And I'm sure you get CVs all the time, and I'm sure you are in a hiring process all the time. Tell me about that. Well, actually, once I start working with the team, uh, we we really get together. We become more homogeneous, and and I don't have that rotation other sites uh, have. So I keep the same teachers for a long time, and you know what? Sometimes they leave when they are there at their highest why is that and uh <laughs> so maybe because they they also acquired this holistic uh, idea this holistic approach how to see life and so they of course there are exceptions but normally they don't leave because they are troublemakers or because they're not happy normally they leave because they found something better something more important or something that complements them especially now during this pandemic that is that okay. now people have more time to reflect so we don't go through that hiring process uh the same as, as other people uh do but when i look for teachers of course i want people who are humble enough to recognize they make mistakes i look for people who uh don't have to be convinced they make mistakes okay self-critical people willing to serve people who who like to work independently because they need to do research they need to do their planning but also who are part of a team okay and then you have to you have to try your best because that way you make sure the next teacher is going to have a class so it's not just teaching a class you need to try your best because if you do then the next teacher is going to have a group, a class, and some income. 
Otherwise, if you see it as just teaching your class and, and, and making some money, then some of the, those students are not going to stay. And then you're going to sign a class to a teacher who's going to get fewer students than, than required, and then the, the class is going to get canceled. So that's what I look for in teachers, okay? Um, and people who, who recognize there's no perfection and inside who they are, they can try the best, find their best version of, of who they are, right? The best version of themselves. However, I'm not in charge of hiring people. I, I am offered teachers and then there's a three-month uh, three month um, probation period. And then it is my okay. decision if I keep a teacher or if I ask for an extension, one or two more months, if I'm not sure if the teacher is going to respond or not, or has what it takes. Um, okay. And then I can say, okay, I'll, I'll keep this guy or you know what? So sorry, but uh, I don't think we're going anywhere with this, this teacher. So I need a, a different person. So there's a, a special department in the institution hiring, hiring teachers, okay, interviewing so, teachers so, and giving them some yeah. training. Mm -hmm. Okay. So th there's a special, a special area within the whole of ProLeg that is uh, uh, in charge of hiring the teachers of the whole hiring process training. And if you say something like, hey, I need uh, one, two, three teachers, you're offered like a portfolio of teachers and you get to choose who you want. Then they go through this uh, probation period. Am I correct so far? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And what makes you not want to keep a teacher after that probation period? Um, think about the last case that you had and why you said, no, this person is not going to fit in or this person doesn't cut it. What made you say that? To tell you the truth, bro, I haven't said that in 10 wow. years. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What? So it, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let hold, hold, hold on. In 10 years that you have been the language uh, coordinator, you haven't turned anyone down after the probation period. Why? Uh-uh. Why? Because I, tru I, I truly believe that's part of my job. So I need to really sit with this person, observe class, in action, uh, fully understand why he or she is making mistakes, what type of mistakes they are. And uh, so, no, I have never rejected a teacher because that person is not good enough. Uh-uh. Nope. So you, once you accept them into the team, they're part of your team and you take care of them. Exactly. And, and even so when beautiful. they're not it, during, during probation period, bro. It's, okay. So maybe it's when they need more attention. Right? Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Totally. Because they need to learn the program, how you guys do things. Um, have you ever had to let anyone go? I remember one case only. There was this lady, uh, an American teacher, who had never gotten the opportunity to work in the classroom. So she started okay. hard, and then when she was ready to teach, she was given a better position. So she never went through the classroom and okay. all these situations, whether good or bad, but she went straight from school to to a manager managing position 
Oh, and then a better position and a better position, but she felt like she was missing this. Like I, I, I need to be in contact with students. I really need to uh, plan my classes and see what teaching is because I was not given the opportunity. The thing is that it, this, this took her like 30 years. Okay. okay. So after 30 years of being a boss and, and pushing pencils, then she decided to, <laughs> to, to give herself a chance as a teacher. Okay. Um, her resume was special, so she was given a chance, but the, this classroom social skills yeah. were not there. They the were rapport not there. you have there. to build. <laughs> yes, and, right. and so she couldn't pay attention to certain details, gestures, body language. Uh, okay. She she used to wear glasses like you, but okay. but her way of uh, wearing glasses was like threatening students and and she couldn't handle it. So after two I months, see. then I said, you know what, this is not for you. I truly believe that you can help uh, teachers and students better from where you were. So maybe you okay. need to go back to to supervising and managing people. So the classroom is not for you, sorry. <laughs> okay. But, but <laughs> I, I, ha I have to say it now, otherwise- uh, Of course. It, it, it's going to be harder. Right? And she understood okay. that and then she decided to, to leave. Uh, well, I mean, this this was a good thing. The uh, person um, was humble enough to, to accept, you know, that perhaps this wasn't the correct job for her. But there are others who have a hard time dealing with that. Now, I'd love to know, you know, uh, from all your staff, how do you deal with problematic people? People that don't have those soft skills, you know, people that are not empathetic towards their fellow teachers that challenge, you know, the uh, person in, in, in charge. Um, do you even have them at your institution? Because you know what? Right now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, so maybe you don't even have this. Um. <laughs> uh... Of, of course, I try and I try with all my heart. Uh, but sometimes you see that everything you have was not given to you. So it, it, it is the result, direct results of your effort, time and effort, perseverance. So somehow you give opportunities, but there's, there's a limit. And then you are also in charge of embracing, protecting what you have. And you cannot yeah. give it to... To any person who's not going to value that and, and try to make it grow. So I give opportunities and then when when they are not taken, three, four, five opportunities, we all deserve opportunities. But then after that, what helps is being fair. And then I truly believe who gives everything to the institution deserves everything from the institution. So those okay. people who are kind of problematic or not paying attention to what they're doing, who they are, and what they need to do to grow and provide students with quality service, quality teaching, then they start having fewer classes. And you can always program shaky mean. classes, right? Shaky classes. So they decide to leave. Okay. You're, so wait I'm a not minute. the kind you, of person you, who's going to fight with people. So you basically uh, set, set the stage for them to kind of exit themselves. Exactly. Yeah, Alex. We're nearing the end of our conversation over here. Everything you have said has been really helpful. It's really interesting. 
Um, I see eye to eye on many of the things that you have said right now. And I would love for you to give advice to people aspiring positions such as yourself. Those teachers who, who would like to be the coordinator or the person responsible for their language area, what would be your advice to these people? Several times helping others is a motor, but there are also personal reasons behind coordinating. For example, when, when we, we were studying the master's, coordinating gave me the opportunity to, to do research and to see this research from a different perspective. So besides helping others, helping teachers help many more students, there are very good things for yourself when you're a coordinator. For starters, I don't have uh, low season and shoulder season, so I, I have my salary whether we have classes or not. And, and second, I can do research. I can pay attention to things that keep you, that, that sometimes the classroom keep, keeps you from seeing them. It's like having a different perspective. I have time to eat. Teachers have 10 minutes between one hour and, and the other to eat. I see. To have something to eat, unless they have a gap. If they have a gap, okay. okay, they have two hours to do whatever they want. But if they have four classes in a row, it's 50 minutes, 10-minute break, 50 minutes, 10-minute break. So it's two sessions of 50 minutes with a 10-minute break in between. I see. So there were moments when I was at home, Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. And then my wife used to tell me, hey, take it easy. You don't, you don't have to go to the classroom. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. Absolutely not. That's not healthy. Absolutely yeah. not. You get used to it, but that doesn't mean that it's good for you and your body. Right? So there are many, many positive aspects of, of being a coordinator. Not only okay. helping the community and, and reaching out right? Making friends, but many personal uh, reasons. And, and then I recommend those people who, who like to become coordinators, they need to find their reasons. Okay? They need to find okay. their own reasons. I truly believe that the, the higher you go, the more the chances you have to, to, to reach out and, and find uh, responses, right? Whether uh, questions you have in your mind or trying to find friends, connect with teachers, and help students. And then when you have this amount of years teaching, then you still have ex-students sending you a birthday message or, or something like that. You, you see them getting married and having children, and they're still in contact. So there are many satisfactions doing this. Of course, the hard deal is when you're between bosses and teachers, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know all about that, man. <laughs> but at least uh, at least you should give it a chance. I mean, if you're, if, if you're considering it and if you think about it, well, give it a chance. Okay, you, you teacher, if you're listening to this, give it a chance. So what is the worst thing that can happen? I mean, it was not for me and you continue teaching. Okay, so give it a chance. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, there you have it, folks. I've just had a conversation with my friend Alex Gutierrez from uh, Prolix. It's a uh, language center, part of the University of Guadalajara. And before we finish, Guadalajara is one of the main, one of the biggest cities in Mexico. It's on the Western coast. It's, it's a beautiful city. And uh, Alex and I met each other at an MA program we were both doing together. 
anyway, Alex, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience as a coordinator. Thank you so much for being on the OS plan. No, don't mention it, Barry. It was, it was a pleasure. And you know what? It was an honor sharing these things uh, with you. And, and you have shared some, some of your stuff with me. And, and I feel honored. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you so much, Alex. Take it easy. There you have it, folks. Here's, this has been another episode of No Lesson Plan. Take it easy and see you on the next show. Mm-hmm.